It's a young speaker. I learned that the worst time to talk to an audience is right after a meal. That's why after dinner speakers are typically trying to get somebody really energetic. The worst time of the worst time would be, say, uh, say you were someplace where there were a lot of stairs. <laughs> And then you walked up from the lunch and back down into the auditorium. So let's start with a song and see how many of you know the words. Spirit of the living safe. 
she doesn't ride the Tower of Terror. Let me just, you know, put it that way for those of you in Southern California. She'll yell at me because she did. She's ridden that before uh, because I made her. Um, the, uh, the, the other thing I'll say uh, about the trip is if you enjoyed last night's singing with Steve Maxwell, he's our worship leader for uh, the group that we're taking. We are going to have an, an awesome time. So, if you're saying, oh, what are all the details, you just go to uh, wallingministries.com or you can just come right up here and grab one of these cards after the class. Uh, I, I had a friend ask me, he said, Jeff, I studied the Bible all my life. I mean, I've, I've, I've looked at the pictures. Tell me why you would say a trip to the Holy Land is worth spending, you know, a couple thousand dollars to do it. Here's what I, I tell him, my verbiage. I stole it from an elder that went with me two years ago. He said... I've read the Bible all my life. He's from Shelby, North Carolina. I've read the Bible all my life. He said, Jeff, I came back from the trip and now I read it in color. Because I can see, I can see the Sea of Galilee. I can, I can see the mountain. I can see where Elijah stood. I can see the tomb in color in my head. So uh, if you have interest, uh, there's, I want to say there's like a dozen spots or so left in the group. We would love to have you come and join us if that's something that fits for you. Last question was, why don't you do a run after Christmas? I'm not going to have time with the family and all. I totally get that. Um, we have a couple of folks who are taking uh, college students with them. And so that's a time period when some companies actually give you time off. And we found that it's a time that makes it easier for, uh, for folks to go. Uh, last question, somebody said, you know, man, I'm, I'm in my 70s. What do you think? Clarence and Sylvia uh, Garman went with us three years ago. Clarence was 87 when he made the trip. Sylvia would not tell me how old she was. <laughs> Clarence said, older than me. But, uh, but they, they held hands all the way around, had a marvelous time. So, all right, there's, there's enough of that. And, and please understand, the reason I am so jazzed about this is I came to this later in life than I should have. First time I went to the Holy Ghost when I was 18. My church, I was the youth minister, they sent me with a group, which should have been the most amazing experience. And while there are a few things about it I remember, J.P. Sanders was with us on that tour. We met Joseph Shulam over there, even as, as our group will. Uh, but at 18, I just wasn't paying attention. I was buying souvenirs, you know? I was bringing my mom a camelback made out of Hollywood. I mean, that's just... And now... When I, when I stand, when I stand on a spot on the hill overlooking the city of Nazareth, and I realize Jesus was raised in Nazareth. And this is one of the places where the kids would play. And I think I'm standing where my Savior stood when they tried to throw him off the cliff. That's how bad it was. And they make fun of him, saying, oh, can they even think about a Nazareth? But when Jesus introduced himself to Paul, he said, I am Jesus the Nazarene. Aren't you glad he owns up to us anyway? That's why now I can't help but cry when we sing the song, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. Um, it is, um, it is interesting in our day that religion, even Christianity, have become somewhat unpopular 
terms. Recently, uh, a book that was done by the Barnett Organization came out called Unchristian. How many of you here have read or thumbed through Unchristian? Raise your hands high because I'm curious. I don't know if that's 50% or less. For those who haven't, here is the shocking kick in the ribs that the book gives you. They survey non-Christians asking this very simple question. What do you think when you hear Christian? What do you think when you hear Christian? The top answers included elitist, prejudiced, anti-homosexual, narrow-minded. And what the author of the book said, they basically listed what we would call un-Christian attributes. Be clear, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ or His gospel. But when a word like Christian gets sullied, quite frankly, by you and I, I need to back up and take a deep breath. I will never substitute anything for Christ. I, I really believe, I would hope that even under duress, even under torture, I would not do so. I, I don't know, I'm not that strong a person. But listen, Jesus is the center of it. When I'm asked to speak at an event and somebody says, oh, we'd like you to say a prayer for our, our, our big you know, gathering. And I say, fine, I need you to know I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And, they, and there have been some organizations, you, some, some of you know, public organizations, say, no, no, can you just say in his name? Or uh, in the name we all know. And <laughs> so you want me to pray saying in the name of the one who cannot be mentioned. I mean, you know, no. I'm not going to do that. Because Jesus Christ is too important to me. I would be cheating you if I didn't say this name. Having said that, there are moments when I have chosen not to use the phrase or the word Christian in a conversation. Not because I'm ashamed of Jesus, but because the name has been so associated with negative things that it can be a conversation blocker. By the way, when they survey them about Jesus Christ, they don't get the same answers. What does Jesus Christ make you think of? Non-Christians say, loving, giving, died on the cross. Now, my goal is for people to say, when you think of the Church of Christ, what do you think of? Loving, giving, those folks that die for you. Okay, you want to put a target on a wall? That's our target. Can I get a, oh yeah? Or maybe put more simply, what do you think when you think of the Church of Christ? Those are the people who are striving so hard to be like Jesus. They're the people who remind me of Christ. But there is another term that has become popular. Spiritual. Millennials love to talk spiritual, spirituality. I get upset because I think, oh, come on, that's that kind of Starbucks kind of thing, you know, we'll all sit around and drink latte, foo-foo, wah-wahs, and we'll, we'll discuss, like, yeah, man, you know, Space, man, we just want to create space here where we can talk about spirituality. And I'm like, really? And my son has to kind of slap and say, Dad. When Paul went up on the Areopagus, he didn't say, huh, You know, all these statues, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Y'all stupid. 
Can I tell you about Jesus? He didn't do that. He said, I see that you're very religious people. And I see you have an idol to the unknown God. I'd love to share with you about him. Paul would have been drinking the latte foo-foos over there. <laughs> I'm into spirituality. Isn't it interesting that we're having a conference focused on the Holy Spirit? And we're kind of going, wow, man, this is kind of interesting. This is kind of different. Who I mean, We haven't done on the Holy Spirit. And the world out there is saying, dude, spirituality, that's what everybody's talking about. <coughs> Praise God. And maybe even the things we're talking about here can prepare you for conversations with young people about spirituality. Somebody said, you look at the class and you say, oh, about younger people. Younger, why do you say younger people? Because well, there ain't many older than us. All right, so that's <laughs> uh, Just kidding. So, uh, spirituality is all the rage. They want the Ruach. Everybody say Ruach. Ruach. That's the breath of God from the Old Testament. They want the Pneuma. Everybody say Pneuma. Pneuma. That's the Greek, again, wind and breath. And it's time we reclaim our heavenly gift and trust the giver. Sometimes, sometimes it's a little tough. Sometimes it's even tough for us to trust those who really love and care for us, you know. Can I really trust that you're doing right by me? Surely we can trust God. Amen. Mm -hmm. He gives us the Spirit as a gift. Oh, tell fast. I told the other night, you know, Bob and Ethel went to see the doc. And the doctor said, uh, listen, did I tell you this on, on Thursday night, or on the Tuesday night, about Bob and Ethel? And, and uh, she said, Bob, you need to know that all the tests are telling me the same thing. Buddy, you're not going to get well. Um, I'm sorry. And Bob just sat there. And he said, Bob, would <coughs> you step out a minute? I want to talk to Ethel. He stepped out. The doc said, Ethel, let me make this clear. From everything I've seen, your husband's got a week or two. And Ethel said, no. He said, but here's the thing. I believe you can change that. It's all about stress on his heart. Here's what you need to do. Ethel, you need to remove stress from his life. Um, make, make his favorite meals. Uh, you know, bring him breakfast in bed. Whatever he wants, do it. I mean, you know, come on. Uh, be a lover like back when you were first married. I mean, just totally do what he wants. And I believe, with everything else I'm seeing, he may have two or three more years left in him. Seriously, please. She said, I understand. <coughs> Walked out the waiting room. Bob said, what did the doc say? She said, you would be dead in a week. Let's go. <laughs> with us, 
For those who weren't here yesterday, we talked about water. All right, who's, who's got a water? I won't drink it, I promise. I just need to set it up. Has anybody, anybody got a water with it? Thank you very much. Hang on. Give it a pitch. We did it yesterday. We'll see if we do it two times in a row. I put this up here because this class is about you getting a mental image. Because God chose it this way. He did not choose an abstract, the Holy Spirit is the evident presence of you now. All that stuff is good. God said, I'll pour out my spirit like water in you. It'll be a well springing up. Yesterday, yesterday, I said, you can take your choice. You can drink something that your body said, oh, I love that, give me some more. Or you can drink something super healthy. Everybody say, I get this. Yes. Say, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Say, Netflix. That it is awfully easy for me to get tempted into some things that may not be the best for me. Yesterday we said the Holy Spirit is the substance that does what? This is what you have to have to live. We also said it is the drink that does what? It's, it's, never, it's never going to be worse. And this drink is never going to be better when it comes to anything else. Yeah, I'm going to say this. Some of us get addicted to certain church activities. I just love the singing. I just love the preaching. I met one person who said that. They did. Um, I, oh boy, I really love our retreats. I really love BBS. Whatever it is you really love. Let me make sure you understand. Those things are all good and, and, and helpful and, and blessings. But I can become, in the same way that I can grab a Coke instead of water, I can become tuned into and more about what happens when we get together and we sing some of those old songs, or I hope they sing songs we know, or I hope they sing songs with parts, or I hope they sing songs that we used to sing at camp, right? I mean, some of us are like, can we sing some new songs? You know, blue skies and rainbows, some new, some new songs. <laughs> it happens before you know it. Some of you have been run out of young marriage class, haven't you? <laughs> We've only been married 20 years. We're just young at heart. It happens before you know it. And you say, but we want, we want this. I like this. We can substitute a this for a this. Jeff, what do you mean? I believe there are times when I've had a good ton of church in my life. And what I needed was to make time to get quiet and drink from God's Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, boy, you're not going to hear anybody more ardent than me about the power of worship and about the power of community. And you need to go to church. You are the church. I know, I know. But we're speaking fine language here. You need to be there. Small group, large group, with the assembly. spend quiet with God and I just drink of his spirit and we're going to talk a little bit about how and say, what, what exactly are you talking about? we're going to get there I just want to underline this is what satisfies and then we said this is the feeling that overflows us this is where the joy comes bubbling out this is where we fill up with the spirit so that we can be patient and peaceful and gentle and the fruits of the spirit come out of us 
All right, let's, let's move on to our next metaphor. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, how many here know what Pentecost means? We got some. When you hear Pente, what do you hear? 50, right. When you cost, what do you hear? Costco. All right, so it is. <laughs> it's 50 days after the what? Passover. So, the, 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 the apostles have sat for 50 days with anticipation and some failure. What did they do when Jesus was being beaten, stripped, and mocked? They ran. They hid. Some even said, uh, Jesus, no, I don't know Jesus. And then Jesus shows back up. And by the way, if you are struggling with any kind of weight of shame or, or guilt in your life, if you, if you, if anything that you've heard here at this conference has even made you say, oh man, I mean, Donald Coffin last night, he's my good buddy, and he said some things, and I'm like, you're stepping on my toes here. You know, you're kind of getting up in my space. These kids say, getting up in my grill, you know. Man, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that. And some of it I was like, man, that's me. Oh, I've done that. Ouch. Satan wants to whisper this in your ear. Shame on you. Shame, shame. My grandma used to say, shame all over you. <laughs> Isn't that good? Isn't that good? You can hear it, can't you? Oh, you did that shame all over you. And it was from head to toe. I was like a biscuit and gravy, just buried. I was buried in shame all over me. The next time Satan whispers that lie in your ear, will you please remember what happened to me? When Jesus showed back up after those birds had run, he got together with them. And you know what they were all waiting for, right? You know, this ain't going to be good. <laughs> and everybody was saying, well, at, at least I'm not <laughs> He even had a heads up. It was an open book test, you know. All you had to do was shut your mouth. <laughs> and you know it, that last breakfast, you know, they had the last supper. So, you know, Jesus comes and they're fishing. They fished all night. Well, no fishes. And Jesus is there and... And then after the meal, he says, Hey, Peter. And then he just goes, oh, Can I talk to you for a minute? And Bartholomew's like, Because <laughs> 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 I mean, it's Jesus. Jesus raises from the dead. He can send you to the dead. So, you know. <laughs> something. 
when a buddy of mine goes, oh, dude, man, you gotta run me home. I promised my mom I'd be home by 3.30. I said, 3.30, you can be no problem. I'm gonna pick up my mom at 2.30. He said, dude, it's 3.15. No! I ran. So, some of the young people won't understand this. They used to call them phone booths. They were boxes. And you, you had a phone. Uh, Superman used them. <laughs> I ran in the mall to the phone booth, right? Got the little phone and then detailed and, 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 and uh, I called the beauty parlor to say, Mom, I'm so sorry, I'll be right over. And the lady answered, Gloria said, Oh, why did she, she laugh? I said to my, my dad, my dad couldn't come here. My dad is over on the other side of town doing this preacher's meeting thing, and I knew he'd said, now I can't pick you up, and then, no, that's fine. She said, oh no, your mom just finally said she'd walk. <laughs> a mile and a half. I called the house. I'm just, I'm thinking, oh, please, 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 Lord, let her have me in a good mood. She didn't answer, my little brother did. I said, Jim, is mom there? He said, just keep running, man. <laughs> Wherever you are, just keep going. I said, dude, what's wrong? He said, have you looked outside, Jeff? I said, what do you mean? I'm at the mall. Look outside, Sherlock. And I got to a place where I could see it was raining. <laughs> Was it raining when she walked home? He said, not when she started. <laughs> I said, no, but what happened? How bad's your hair? She said, well, he said, you know how the dog looks when we watch it?
took a deep breath and dropped the spoon. <laughs>
Yes, God cares about ecology. Yes, God loved the world. Yes, God made the planets. No, I don't think he goes, people, dolphins, people, dolphins. I'm going with people. I'm going to let Jesus die for that. God made you as special. Now, the reason I'm so feisty about that is because I deal with high schoolers and, college and uh, junior hires all day long who are being told they are nothing but highly elevated animals. They're nothing but dolphins who can talk. They're nothing but apes who can use tools. That's what they're being taught. And, and without, without any discussion of how you do with creation, because I'm really not as concerned about that as I am these kids walking around and not realizing the spirit of the living God lives in human beings through Jesus Christ. And how do we know that? Not because we can see it, show me a chunk of spirit, because, and here's where the wind metaphor becomes so important, because he moves us. He impacts us. Now, throughout the Old Testament, there are places where the wind is often spoken of as God's impact, and it's kind of scary. For instance, how often is the lamp of the wicked snuffed out? How often are they like straw before the wind, like chaff swept away by a gale? Do you see the metaphor? The metaphor is, hey, bad people get blown away by God. That's the picture. Hear about this one, Ecclesiastes 8.8. No man has power over the wind to contain it. So no one has power over the day of his death. Do you hear that? The writer, using a parallelism, says, let me tell you what, death is like a big wind blowing at you, and no man has control over it. Who has control over it? God does. Or this one, from Psalm 135, the Lord does whatever he pleases. He sends lightning with the rain, I love this metaphor, and brings out the wind from where? Yeah, it's God that keeps the wind in his garage. It is God who sends the gale force. No, Jeff, are you saying that when, you know, a, a hurricane happens? No. Here's a challenge, brothers and sisters. If we believe we have an almighty God, almighty, if we believe that there is no molecule on earth that can say to God, I'm not doing what you say, First off, can you show me that molecule? Okay, can you show me that rebellious molecule? Some are saying, meet my spouse. And I get that. I understand that we have a limited amount of free will. But be clear, if you think for a minute that you can simply say, I'm going to disobey God and there'll be no consequences. I'm going to do what I want and no one can stop me. But you just jump off that building and fly. Right? You just run out from that bus and do a ballet, and what you're going to find is that God is God, and it isn't you, and it isn't me. There is a God, and it's none of us in here. Now, there's deep water there when you get into theodicy, because then you start running down tracks of, well, this, well, that. All I can say is, anything that occurs, occurs because my God allows it to. I don't believe it's because my God, quote, wants it to, but my God is in charge of everything. If he's not, he's not God. You say, well, what about, what about free will? Okay, well, let's deal with it for half a second. What about free will? The person says, oh, I'm going to do this. Can God stop him? If I read the Bible, I can't say no. God can part the Red Sea. God can bring someone back from the dead. God can cause a fig tree to dry up. God can cause a lame man to walk. Yes, God has struck people down. 
Can God? And the answer is yes. Will God choose to? I'm not God. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to get out, got out of business with saying, well, the Lord did that because. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I don't think we just have time to go there. All right. Three things, two things about wind. We'll make, it, we'll make it quick and easy today. When we use the word wind, the Old Testament word is actually a word for breath, the word ruach, which is the word for the spirit. It's always good to get a little bit of Jesus' words in your mouth. Say ruach. ruach. Not a little spit on the person's neck in front of you. You didn't get that last part right. One more time. Ruach. Okay. So ruach is the breath, is, the, is, is what we say. Okay, let's look where it comes from. The Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground, and ever say breathed? Breathed into his nostrils, that everybody say breath, breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, there's a part of that we understand scientifically and chemically. Breath, right? You know, the old, the old Western movies, you know, they put their hand down in front of their mouth or hold the mirror there in the dock's office. There's any breath there. Oh, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, old Bart, he's dead. He, he's dying. How do you know? He's not breathing. We even have a phrase for it, expire. That's what it means. It means to breathe out. It means to breathe your last. Uh, but, but have you ever thought about the intimacy of that? God breathed into our nose. Okay. It didn't say cause the breath to go into it. What does it say? I'm sorry. But man, that's pretty close to mouth to mouth resuscitation. <laughs> Not the nostril resuscitation, which is even weirder. <laughs> but for a Hebrew, you would go, of course, that's the kiss of life. God did not give us life from the other side of the universe. God did not send us an email. Please hit the following attachment. Your life is in it. God said, I'm going to hug you. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to breathe into you the breath of life. And if that one causes you to go, wow, then how about in the New Testament, when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this wind, this breath metaphor, seems to be important to God. Of course, we all know 2 Timothy 3.16. How many are in a pencil somewhere in the BBS for saying this verse? Here we go. All scripture is God. Now, I didn't grow up with that. I grew up with KJV. All scripture is what? Inspired. That's what the word means. Inspired by God means breathed into by God. And I love the NIV in this. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness. So here he's saying, yes, there is a sense in which this represents in some ways to us the breath of God. But it, it's the, the recording of God's breath, it's the imprint of God's breath, but the breath of God itself is God's Spirit who breathes into us. You can't live without breath. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I cannot have spiritual life without the Holy Spirit. When someone says, do you have the Holy Spirit? You need to tell them, am I breathing? <laughs> because you can't, you can't live in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. By the way, that helps me a little bit when somebody says, you cannot even say Jesus is Lord, but by the Spirit. Absolutely. How ironic that it takes breath to confess. And the giver of the breath, both physically and spiritually, is my God through his Holy Spirit. Now, some of this just makes your head hurt. So, some of you need to be taught how to breathe. 
And so I want to give you just a, a simple way of, of thinking about this. First off, just breathe out for a minute. I, I know you ate. That's all right. It'll be fine. <laughs> now, breathe in. Okay, then it looks like you're pretty clear on these. You begin with an inhalation, although we started by breathing out, and then you move on to an exhalation. Third step, super important, repeat. Okay, so this is your basic principle of breathing. Now, you ready? How do you breathe in? God. How do you breathe in the Holy Spirit? I believe that sometimes... I need to be quiet to breathe in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I need to shut up. <laughs> you have somebody ask you for advice? I've got, I got a question. Can I ask you a question? It happens here sometimes. Jeff, can I ask you a question? Just a quick question. Sure. Well, at our church, and, and they talk for 20 minutes, and, and, and I know they just need to talk. But they need to say, Jeff, can I just talk to you for 20 minutes? Can I just, can I just say something? Because when they say, I got a question, I keep waiting for a question mark. <laughs> Typically, yes. following a question mark comes a period of silence, right? Because as we all know, it's so hard to give somebody an answer while they're still talking. I wonder how much God feels like that. Lord, I want to talk to you. I, 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 I don't know what to do. And I talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk. And I wonder if there are angels saying, Stop now. <laughs> because I don't think they say, Shut up. They won't say, Shut up. years ago. 
he may lift an image. Well, how do I know? Oh, I know, I know, we are so rational. I'm that way. We're Westerners. We, you know, we're the only people who will ask God for ID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything with your picture on? <laughs> By the way, true story, I'll tell the friends. I, I, I went to LAX and forgot my wallet. I was flying out. No joke. I got there, I went up, and I said, here's the deal, here's my wallet. My wife has texted me a picture of my driver's license. I'm so sorry. And the guy said, that won't do you any good. He said, what do you got with your name on? Man, I'm trying to get a credit card. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I found a brochure of a place where I was speaking that had my picture. And then I said, I have one other thing. That's my name right there. And the guy said, I think I'll probably do. <laughs> he made a call, and I got on the plane. Now, now, please understand, he followed the rules. But what I loved was that smile on his face. And I said, no, I think I've got my name on it. It's, it's in my Bible here. Folks, we cannot play TSA for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Inhale. Everybody say inhale. Yeah. 
God's word. And when I then exhale in prayer, everybody say exhale. I am prepared then to listen in silence. I hear from God through his word. And I hear from God in silence. I encourage you to do it regularly. Do it slowly. Do it deeply. Those are all breathing things as well as Holy Spirit experience things. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, you, you've probably all seen this. What's, what's the weakest finger on your hand? Tell me quick. Fourth finger. It's, 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 your, it's your pinky, so I've been told. Maybe they were wrong. So let me show you ways you can get into God's Word. The weakest way is just by hearing it. It's, it's better than nothing. But then if you read it, you actually multiply the times that it's sticking in your head. That, uh, oh, uh, the next thing is to study it. Study it means I'm now not just reading that text, but I'm looking at other texts and doing some comparative work. Memorizing it is the second strongest thing to do. Get scripture in your heart if you want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Oh, it's his sword. Meditate. What does meditate mean? It means I go beyond just studying. I even go beyond memorizing. Now I begin to sit and think and listen. And meditation is where I believe the Holy Spirit joins us in interpretation. In meditation, I am thinking deeply and saying, God, show me. God, lead me. God, guide me. Which gets us to this. You hear it sound, Jesus said, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. What was he speaking about? He was speaking about the wind which blows wherever it pleases. It is the unseen force that moves us. So, let me, I brought some wind with me here. There we go. Fire up the wind. Good. Turn high wind. There we go. Some of you can hear that. Can y'all see that pretty clearly? No. <laughs> Can y'all see that? Of course you can see that. I need something that the wind can easily move. All right, I'm going to show you this, and I want this to stick. In fact, let me, let me come here. In fact, Colleen, come help me. Would you? Both of them. Colleen. side of the, uh, of, the, of the wind there. Lower it, if you would, below that. Now, I want you to know that there is going to be a moment when I ask them to raise this, that you will see, you won't see the wind, what will you see? The wind's impact on the object. <clears throat> Ready? Watch this. Slowly raise it. Keep raising Now, what you see is not a magic trick. What you're seeing is a simple, uh, a simple. <laughs> what you're seeing, keep it raised, though. What you're seeing is a simple scientific reality. And here's the reality that object is giving in to the wind. It is placed where the wind can impact it. Everybody tracking with me on this? So we know that if I said to them, please lower it below that fan, just lower it below it, all we have to do is move it in a different place, and the wind is no longer impacting it. Can you see 13 different ways that you can bridge on that? Can you see right now when you're talking to your kids about, well, why does it matter if I go? I want you, baby, for the wind and the spirit it can impact you and move you and change you. Guide 
you, as Jesus says. So, a couple of sailing lessons, because that's what these sailors are doing for us. First off, I've got to lift the anchor. What do I mean by that? I'm going to ask you guys now to step right over there. Just hang on to that step over there. I'm going to put another object in front of the fan. Ready? <laughs> Not in front of the fan. In front of the fan. You see the difference? <laughs> Do it again. Not in front of the fan. Brothers and sisters, if you don't lift the anchor, what does that mean? If you are unwilling to change, the Holy Spirit can blow hard on you. Now, God knows how to blow a hurricane. Say, I get that. And as the old boy said, we can do this the easy way. We can do this the hard way. I encourage us as a church to lift the anchor. Not the anchor that secures our soul. Not the anchor that is Jesus. But to stop saying sentences... We've never done it like that before. <coughs> Digital Sunday night. There's, there's this cool new app. It's a small group app that a group that I, I actually worked with developed. I'm on my phone here. Um, in which you can actually have a small group lesson led from an iPhone. And, and it asks different questions. And it's a cool thing. But I've already had people saying, oh, what is it? That's not Bible study. They were the same people who chewed out the teenagers for getting out their phones in church. I saw three of you down there looking at your phones. They held up U version. They said, ma'am, this is U version. She said, I don't care what game it is, you should not be playing <laughs> in church. Folks, we have got to lift the anchor of, I've never done it that way before. I've got, I've, and at least be willing, grounded in God's word, to expose ourselves to his wind, to his spirit, that it might change us. And then, one more time, let's, uh, let's lower the sails and lift the sails. <coughs> what do I mean when I say lift the sail? I mean, bring it up. I want you to see this. Lift it up. Lift it up. Keep lifting. Keep lifting. Hold it right there. Somebody get an Instagram and think about this with me. I have to open my heart up. I have to put myself purposefully in a place of vulnerability. Right now, if the scarf could speak, I don't know if it would say, that's uncomfortable, I feel very vulnerable, everyone's staring at me. But here's what I know. I want the Holy Spirit to change me. Can you say that with me? I want the Holy Spirit to change me. How change me? Remember, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, that's where, that's where all this is heading. Three more things, two more things. Trust the captain, okay? Good news is, Jesus is the one that gave us the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are one. He will guide you into good things. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And watch his charts. And by that I mean keep reading his word. Keep thinking through his word. Keep thinking about his word. And would you please give my friends the Duvals a big round of applause. simple pictures may leave you saying, oh, come on, but i got to close class with this. Paul says there's other winds out there. There are crosswinds. These winds are trying to blow the next generation right out of the church. These winds are trying to blow away good leaders. These winds are trying to convince you that 
There was no Jesus in the Bible that's real. So just because a wind blows doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I hear that. And I get that. So he is the wind. Breathe deeply. And then let down the sails and let him move you. Would you bow your head? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this class. Thank you for moments when we can, Father, when we can lift the sails. Lord, I ask that you would prepare us for journeys. I ask that you'd prepare us for change. Because Lord God, I'll be the first one to say, I need to change. I need to add to my faith, goodness, my goodness, knowledge, knowledge self-control. God, I need to be different than who I am. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you not only would sustain and satisfy the Spirit of the living God fall afresh on me. And may the wind of the Spirit breathe life into my soul and move and change me. More in the likeness of Jesus. And I pray that for not only myself, but for my brothers and sisters here in this class. Thank you for your love and mercy. In Jesus' name we all pray and say, Amen. Remember this, you'll never go to a VBS, typically, where they say, we're going to tell an Old Testament story of a person who was called by God. God came to Abraham and said, don't move. <laughs> Thanks, hope you joined VBS. It's not going to happen. God says, move. And I know some of you need to move right now, so let's do it. See you tomorrow.